I didn't feel released to move on from what I talked about last week. So I'm going to talk about it some more this week. I'm going to use, I think, pretty much all new, different scriptures, maybe come at it from a little different perspective. And it's interesting, we're going to talk today about unity versus proper unity. You know, there's a sense of unity in the church, the church can have unity, but it's it's not good unity necessarily. Or it could be good unity, but not always it is. So let me just quickly review last week. Um, it wasn't really part of the message, but I, maybe it was the Lord moving. We talked a little bit about identity. There, there's a word, I didn't have this thought in my head until right now, but there, there's a word or a phrase called identity politics. And there's another word. Remember I said last week that this whole you know, cultural stuff that's going on has its own language? And I don't know a lot of the words. Um, there's a word for believing that you're the gender that matches up with your, your parts, the way God made you. I, I didn't know that word before. There's another, there's another word that speaks to this whole thing. I can't think of what it is. Anyway, we spoke to identity. Like, do we get our identity from the culture? Do we, where, where do we get our identity from? From our parents? Do we get our identity from the color of our skin? You know, right? Is that it? Hey, what are you? You know, some people don't know. Um, of all the ones who I would cramp up on, I, Isaiah, right? He must be playing with the kids. Can I talk a little bit about Isaiah? If you were to go to Isaiah Green and say, hey, you know, like you're just Joe on the street. Hey, um, what are you? I can't quite discern from looking at you. He couldn't tell you. Because he, he was conceived in a gang rape. And he doesn't know who those guys were. Praise God, his mother didn't abort him. She, you know, she carried him to term, but she wasn't going to be able to keep him. And he ended up in the perfect place where God wanted him to be. But how, how would Isaiah feel when somebody says to him, what are you? Like, you know, like Annika, they could say, you know, what are you? I could say to Annika, wow, look at that complexion. What are you? And she could say, well, I'm Cambodian. And I would get some sense of satisfaction. Oh, now I understand why your skin looks different than mine. It's a crap question especially for somebody who doesn't know. Because now they, they like, they like, well, I don't know who I am, but that's not how you discern who you are. Annika's got a biological daddy, or, or she doesn't. I don't know, you know, whether he's dead or alive or whatever, but I'm her daddy. Tanya Grace, Ashley, I'm their daddy. <laughs> I had Ashley one time, in the moment, literally, she's got a phone or an iPad or something in front of her face. I'm walking past... Hey, Dad, you want to meet my dad? Like, well, no. (laughs) I don't want to be challenged by some, you know, other dad. But she literally was video thinging with her biological father. What about a bunch of confusion for that, you know? I don't deny his biological place in her existence, but I'm her dad. So we talked about identity. What, What is my identity? What's yours? What's anybody's? Well, ideally we would start with this. I'm made in the image of God. You might hate God. You might believe in a false God. You might be an atheist. But at least you can start your identity place there. I'm a child of God. I'm not a child. I am an image bearer of God. 
That's where we start ours, right? But ours doesn't stop there because we, we see in the scriptures, especially I think it's John chapter 1, where we have this word exousia, typically translated as authority, privilege, sometimes translated as power, but in this case, clearly privilege, authority. To those who believed on him, he has given them the exousia to be called children of God. So what's my identity? I'm an image bearer and a son of God himself. That's my identity. I know I, I get, you know, you're a Christian, I get all that, that's cute. But what are you? I said, no, no, that is what I am. That's not my cute Christian response to your question. I used to be Paprady, some sense, you know, Irish, English, French, probably others, I don't know. But I'm that guy dead. I was not born of any natural seed. I was born again. Literally a new creature. Okay, then what are you? <laughs> I know who my daddy is. He's God. He's not Allah because he's not God. He's not a cow or whatever the Hindus, you know, million of those. He's none of those because they're not God. He's the God of the scriptures. He's the only true God. He's the creator of everything that is. And he, <laughs> I, I, I use this with the girls all the time. You have to do it. I say, why? Because I borned you. I'm your father. They're like, no, you didn't. I'm like, yes, I did. And the moment that I signed that paper and you agreed, you became my daughter and I became your father and I borned you, she borned you, you're a Brady now, end of conversation. I know borned is a bad word. It's not a, it's not a legit word, but, but it's the one I use. Right. It's a verb of some sort. I don't know. So we have to understand our identity. Otherwise, Devil can slap us around and mess with us when somebody asks us, you know, whatever stupid question we can't answer. It doesn't really matter because who we are is an image bearer of God himself and better than that, a child of God, born again by his imperishable seed. Say amen. amen. All right. Say it to yourself every single day until that's the first thing that comes out of your mouth. Okay. Amen. Right. Right. Then, then we talked about we have to be careful who we align with. That there are churches that are aligning like as social justice churches. Like we're for social justice. Or we have bent our knee to Black Lives Matter. We, You know, we support. And then, so I, I talked last week about like, it's very important that we be very careful who we align ourselves with. We don't align ourselves with Black Lives Matter. Why? Because they don't align themselves with Jesus. We don't align ourselves with the progressive church movement because when you look at what it is that they profess, they do not align with King Jesus. And we talked about that if any movement of any kind, whether it's wholly righteous or fractionally righteous, if there be any righteousness with it, while we may not align with them, we already align ourselves with that righteousness because we align ourselves with Jesus Christ. If the Black Lives Matter says, well, does that mean that you think black people aren't important? Of course not. Well, why? 
Because Jesus thinks that black people are important, and I think what Jesus thinks. But Black Lives Matter thinks that the nuclear family is wrong, and they're working to dismantle that. I don't agree with that. Why? Because Jesus doesn't agree with it. Guess what? I'm in the greatest place in the world. I don't have to be smart. I don't even have to try to conjure up an opinion because he gave me a book and he told me what to think. So you're just a little robot that thinks like your Jesus thinks. Bingo! You got me nailed. You hit that baby perfect. That's who I am because that's who I decided to be. And he's empowering now the transformation that brings me to not just be obedient to his thoughts because I'm supposed to, but to be obedient to his thoughts because I believe them. Amen. We talked about that. Maybe not with that much, like, but we talked about that. I finished last week without any expounding in Micah chapter 6, verse 8, and I read you this. He has told you, O man, what is good. Right? I don't have to concern myself with what's good. What happened to Adam and Eve in the garden? They ate of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which then empowered them in their sin to decide what's good and what's evil. But we don't decide what's good and evil. God tells us what's good, and he tells us what's evil. He has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. The first two conditions do justice. If Black Lives Matter has any justice in it, we're already aligned with them in those areas. The part to talk about today is to walk humbly with your God. Because there might be a place where we choose to walk, or we're influenced to walk, or it seems like a good path to walk, but it's not walking humbly with God. But, 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 pressure, 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 society, culture, Facebook, mm, I don't want to mad at me, pressure, no, 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 you just humble yourself and you walk with God. Good to go. And you're not only good for yourself, you're good for every person that comes in contact with you, whether they understand it or not. Okay. Turn your Bible to 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 3. I checked to make sure ESV said the same thing. 2 Corinthians 11.3 But I am afraid, Paul speaking to the church, he planted the church, he's the apostolic daddy of the church, but I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. That's what the devil is trying to do right now. He's trying to use things with worldly wisdom. We talked about worldly wisdom last week. He's trying to use wor- worldly wisdom to get us to come into agreement with things that, don't, that aren't devotion to Christ. It's no different what he's doing with us than what he did in the garden. It's, it's the same source. He was a serpent then. He's your thought now. It's the devil. It's the same process. It's deceptive craftiness. He doesn't use a different process. He can't. He has no authority. Right? What did Jesus say as he was speaking the Great Commission? He said, all authority has been given to me. There's none left. 
All the authority is his. If you have no authority, then you can't muscle a person to do what you want. You have no authority. What would you, what would you use then? Craftiness and deception. Speak to their minds. Get them to believe. Bring them over to think the way that you think versus the way that God thinks because he has no authority. All authority is in Jesus Christ. And the same goal, same source, same process, same goal. Separation from God, separation from purity of devotion to Christ alone. That's the issue today. We've got to be careful that our devotion is not separated. Little to Jesus, a little over here, a little over here, little this. No, no, 100% to Jesus. 100% pure and simple devotion to Jesus. What's simple about it? It's single-minded. It doesn't care about what anybody else says, but it knows that in its devotion to Jesus that everybody else is going to get treated as well as they possibly could be treated because your wisdom, your words, your thoughts, your actions come from simple devotion to Christ Jesus. If we were divided in some sense, and probably in some sense maybe we are, that needs to be repented from, the Bible speaks to double-mindedness. In James chapter 1, verse 17 Every good thing given, you thought I was going to a different place in James where he actually talks about double-mindedness. I will. Every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights in whom there is no variation or shifting shadow or shadow of turning. So the point of this today isn't about gifts, but it's about who this Father of lights is, with whom there is no variation. He doesn't change. He has no shifting shadow. If the light source is here, and my shadow is cast over here, and I'm God with regard to what's true and what's not true, with regard to my character and what's not my character, my shadow will never be any place but where it is. It doesn't move over there because I moved relative to the truth. It's a a shadow that's going to be where it is. It's a God who you can know and you can know is consistent. There's no double-mindedness in God. There's no variation. There's no instability. He has perfect integrity. He is, his integrity, it's like his ability to hold up his character is absolutely perfect. God is not enlightened by culture. God does not evolve with culture. There is no enlightened. There's no, well, God changed because now we're different and He made us, therefore God is following with us and truth is evolving. Baloney. Yeah, it was was an all-on catch because I almost did it anyway. Serious baloney. (laughs) Bovine stool. We should make an acronym. BS. It's that. Somebody tells you, no, no, God is so wise. He's ordained all of this because he's sovereign. Ovine stool. All day long, don't listen to it. It's the devil and his crafty deception. Jesus is truth. Jesus is not relative truth, and he's not cultural truth. He's absolute truth. He didn't say, I represent some truth. He didn't say not anything but, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. So when you set your affections, and you set your desires, and you set your compass to Jesus then you know 
When you reflect Jesus, you reflect truth. You don't have to concern yourself with what anybody says. But, but gosh, they don't really like that truth, and, and that might hurt their feelings. Are lies good for anybody? I don't think so. Especially the kind that would disagree with Jesus, who is truth. What did he say to the Pharisees? You're of your father, the devil. What do you say about him? There is no truth in him. He is the polar opposite of Jesus because there is no falseness in Jesus. The devil is nothing but false. He cannot speak the truth because there's no truth in him. Jesus can't speak a lie because it doesn't exist in him. He's absolute and perfect truth. James, again, chapter 1, verses 7 and 8. This is one of the other two. He speaks, God through James speaks very specifically to double-mindedness. For that man ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord, being a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. The, the context is, if you're, if you're going through this, this issue of trials of many kinds, and God is perfecting you through tests and trials and tribulations to bring about Christ-likeness in you, and you're at a loss, how do I respond to this? And you ask God for wisdom, he's going to give it to you. He promises he'll give you wisdom. But you have to know that you have it and not doubt. Otherwise, you're double-minded. What should I think about this, Lord? He'll tell you. The world might tell you to think differently. And they might make a crazy compelling case and try to get you that that's what God thinks, to think that that's what God thinks. But you've got to be careful because it's double-minded to agree with the world and to agree with God. I agree with God over here. I agree with the world over here. Kenner, he loves to play with me. I think I might have even said this last week. He's like, Pat, you know, Numbers chapter 6, verse 20. Do you agree with it? I'm thinking to myself, what's in there, you know, because I'm pretty familiar with all of Numbers. Let me look it up. He's already got me done. Game over. He wins. If it's between the front cover and the back cover, I agree with all of it. Oh, seriously? Seriously? A guy got in a fish and the fish spat him out? I'm like, heck yeah, Absolutely. Are you serious? I'm, I couldn't be more serious. Why? Because I believe it. Some of it seems a little hard to believe, but I believe it because it's in there. Some of it's obviously parable and story. Some of it's even identified that way. But if it's not, I believe it. I do. The guy was inside the fish, and when it was time, God tickled the thing, and the fish hawkered him out, and out he came, and that's just true. It happened. Even Pinocchio bears witness. Pinocchio bears witness. That's right. Someone had to read me that story. I'm just agreeing with you because I don't know the story, but amen. The point is, ah, I still don't remember. I know his nose got bigger when he told the lie. That's the end of it. I think I see that in a commercial. That's probably why I know it. The point is, once we get to the place of double-mindedness, we, we can't expect anything from God. Because we've chosen not to trust him. I shouldn't say because. I don't know exactly why because. I would suspect because. We've, we've put an idol above him, and we believe something other than what he says, yet we've confessed his lordship and his truth. 1 Kings chapter 18 and verse 21. This is, uh, if you're familiar with the story of Mount Carmel and the prophets of Baal, right? Elijah came near to all the people and said, How long will you hesitate between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. 
But if Baal, follow him. But the people did not answer him a word. They answered him after the, the showdown on Mount Carmel, but at the beginning they didn't answer him. He said, it's simple, you pick. Who's your God? You can't have two gods. Pick one or the other. But they wouldn't answer him. Why? Because they were hedging themselves. Hmm, maybe this one, maybe that one. If I say this one and I'm wrong, this one's going to be mad at me. If I say, no, 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 no double-mindedness. They were double-minded. They should expect nothing from God. They had to make a decision. They did in their forefathers. God stood before them. Who's going to be your God? If you want me to be my God and you want to be my people, here's how it's going to work. Moses, read the whole dang thing to him. Get comfortable. This is going to take a minute. Thou shall, thou shalt not. I'm sure he spoke in King James. Bang, 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 bang. There you go. That's the covenant. Do you want it or don't you want it? Yes. We shall be your people and you shall be our God. And then they didn't. And God brought them to Mount Carmel. Didn't work out well for the prophets of Baal. But Elijah, all by himself, it worked out good. And the people, again, were called to single-mindedness. That's what we're called to, single-mindedness. Mark chapter 3, verses 24 and 25. Actually, this is in all three of the synoptic gospels. This is Jesus speaking. If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. If a house is divided against itself, that house will not be able to stand. Interestingly, this just popped into my head. I don't have the scripture, but it's the end of Matthew chapter 7. Jesus finishes three red chapters of teaching. All his words. One sentence at the beginning, one sentence at the end. And he says, it's all that you just heard is like this. It's like a guy who built a house. Two guys built houses. One built his house on the foundation of a rock. One built his house on the foundation of the sand. And then those houses got attacked. The wind and the rain and the storms and the torrents. And all these things came against these houses. The house that was built on the sand came to ruin. The house that was built on the rock withstood it all. And he said, here's the difference between the sand and the rock. The guy in the sand and the guy in the rock, they both heard these words of mine. But the guy on the rock did them. That's it. That was the difference. Single-minded. Jesus said it. I'm doing it. The storm's coming anyway. When the storm's done, I'm still, my life is still secure because I'm founded on Jesus and his teachings. His way of thinking, not the world's way of thinking. Not I love Jesus, but. No but. No but. There is no but. There's not even a best but. Any but is a bad but. Right, Trish? Amen. Okay. Any house divided against itself, any kingdom divided against itself. You ever wonder? You know, let me just tell you, man. I had a whole bunch of unity scriptures. I was prepared to teach on unity a few weeks ago, and then I got moved, right? There's, there's a unity conversation. This is part of a unity conversation. There's a unity conversation that speaks to the brightness of the light of the church. If we are absolutely unified, we're going to see what the Bible offers to us. But if we allow ourselves to be fractured, then we're going to struggle to see a, manif- a, a, a powerful manifest move of God through us out to the world.
Our devotion, remember the first one, pure and simple devotion to Christ, the devil, he's deceived you through crap, craftiness. <laughs> through craftiness and deception away from pure and simple devotion to Christ. Our devotion is to Christ alone, not to social justice organizations, not to Black Lives Matter, not to the Democratic Party. Everybody hold your chair. Not to the Republican Party. See, if any of those groups or any other group, and I've said this, but I want to say it again, has any righteousness in their movement, we're already aligned with it. Not with them, not with everything they represent, but any righteousness in their movement, we're already there. We may vote for a Republican candidate, or we may vote for a Democratic candidate, but not because we've aligned ourselves with their party and their platform, but because we've examined them, and we've examined their motives, and that best aligns with Jesus. So we can make a choice. We have the obligation as secondary. Right? Our primary citizenship is the kingdom of heaven. Our secondary citizenship is the United States of America. We have an obligation to that citizenship to participate through our opinions, through the way we think in the country that we live in. Our opinions and the way we think come from Jesus. We evaluate the candidates based upon their alignment with Jesus. They might be perfectly aligned with Jesus. I, I don't know. That's an easy vote. They might be perfectly disaligned with Jesus. That's an easy no vote. Really, the, the, the work happens in the gray area, and we have to decide which one best represents Jesus. And that's where we put our vote, hoping that our country will truly find its way to be one nation under God. One nation under God. Under our opinions. Un no, 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 no. Under God. That's the way the thing reads. Under God. That's what we promote. Under God. We do it with... I mean, we, you have a pastor. Hold your chair again. You might find this... What? I'm not perfect. I wrestled. Oh my gosh. I got sideways with somebody. And I prayed and I prayed and I prayed. Because I was battling an unholy emotion. I was praying, God, cleanse my heart, please. There must be some filthiness in my heart. Give me pure hands. Give me clean heart. Give me clean hands. Give me pure heart. Purify my heart, Lord. If I could do it, it would be pure because that's what I want, but I'm not doing it because I'm, I'm battling with these demonic thoughts. I couldn't sleep. I got up at one in the morning. I, I was so sideways. I sat down in the chair watched sailboat videos until my eyes got heavy, went to sleep, woke back up or got up at 5.30, went to bed, slept a couple hours, got up to pray. That was my prayer. Lord, you have to cleanse my heart. We disagree, but that's not my issue. Disagreement. My issue is the emotion that's coming from the disagreement. My heart's not pure. Otherwise, I'd be reacting differently than I am. The symptom of an impure heart is manifesting in my thoughts, and I know they're bad, but I'm not casting them down. I don't remember if he told me this or it was an impression or, you know, just my imagination, but what I 
think the Lord allowed, right? If without his grace, I'm never going to change. Why he didn't bring his grace like he usually does. I can battle that stuff and be done easy, but it's because his grace comes easy. It's because he wanted me to consider the wrestle that the other person was having. Because I think, just stop it. I'm right, you're wrong. Just agree with me. Do what I say. Without having any sense for how hard that is. Because I don't walk in those shoes. Let's just say I'm right. I might not even be right. But let's just say I'm right. I got to be very careful how I judge. So I prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. Prayed, God, cleanse my heart. Make me different. I don't agree with any of this that's in my head, but I can't get it to go away. And then his grace came. And I was able to repent. And it's funny. Well, I won't go any farther, but I'll tell you a more story. But, but the point of it is that we got to get our emotions from God. We got to get our thinking from God. We got to get our everything from God. We may vote for one. You come here, you know. I, I'm the pastor. I'm the, I'm the loudest voice in this church, but I'm not a perfect voice. Right? The perfect voice is from heaven. And I pray that I'll only ever, not just like from here. This is, this is little. It's every word, every time. I don't want to have an opinion. I want to just, just reflect God's opinion. Unity is important. I, when we talk about this in the broader context, I'll give you some more scriptures. But let's just use this one today. This is Paul in his opening statements to the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians. Chapter 1, verses 10 through the beginning of verse 13. Now I exhort you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all agree, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be made complete in the same mind and in the same judgment. For I have been informed concerning you, my brethren, by Chloe's people, that there are quarrels among you, Now I mean this, that each one of you is saying, I am of Paul, and I am of Apollos, and I of Cephas, and I of Christ. Has Christ been divided? You're not of Paul, you're not of Pat Brady, you're not of Bill Johnson, you're not of Jim Wiegand. You're not. You're of Christ, and Christ has not been divided. If Pat Brady has a word that disagrees with a word that Jim Wiegand speaks, there's only three possibilities. Pat's wrong, Wiegand's right. Wiegand's right, Pat's wrong, or we're both wrong. That's it. We can't disagree and both be right because God's not double-minded. Jesus is always right. Read that Bible because I could be wrong, but if you read that Bible, you'll know because God will speak to you the truth. Christ is not divided in himself, represented in one area by Paul, and contrarily, like disagreeingly, in the same area by another, because he's not divided. Christ is one. He's not differing or flexible. You understand that? God's not flexible. He, he's not, he says, come, let us reason. But, but you're reasoning for what purpose? To win an argument with God? Before you start that conversation, I want you to read Job. It won't come out well. Why? Because you can't be right if you disagree with him. So, so you would reason with God for the purpose not of helping God to find your place. You reason with God to help you to find the right place. Because he is always true. And you think, well, people talk about, well, I like Jesus, but I don't like God. Like, Jesus is a nice one, but I read the Old Testament, and 
God. Well, Jesus is God. Jesus is the Word, and He's the Son. God is the Father. Holy Spirit is Holy Spirit. Guess what? You can't work your daddy by going through your mommy. You can't work your daddy by going through your Jesus. You know why? Because Jesus is the perfect representation of God's glory. Jesus never disagrees. Jesus, the Son of Man, didn't have any judgment of his own. He's Jesus. He's like, I don't judge anything. I just judge what I've told. I just t- God tells me how to judge. That's my judgment. I have no thoughts of my own. I only speak what I hear my Father saying. He operated how we're supposed to operate. 100%. If you've seen, the, if you've seen Jesus, what does he say? You've seen the Father. There's no differentiation. Now, God, I'm going to, I'm going to dial in this, this Black Lives Matter thing, because that's where I think most of the angst is coming from. God, the creator of everybody that's black and everybody that's white and everybody that's everybody, is colorblind. He's absolutely blind to those kinds of things. Colossians chapter 3, I'll read you verses 9 through 11, and I'm going to jump and read you 17. I have an itch, and I don't, I don't want to do that, but it itches. Okay, Colossians chapter 3. Do not lie to one another, since you laid aside the old self with its evil practices, and have put on the new self, who is being renewed to a true knowledge, according to the image of the one who created it. One is capitalized. This is your renewal. You ready? A renewal in which there is no distinction between Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, and free man, but Christ is all and in all. No distinction. Now, that doesn't lift every particular way you could distinguish, but it gives you a pretty good idea. Let me, I, I meant to put this in there. I thought of it, and then I forgot. But let me just take you to a place. If you don't like your reading your Bible, but you want to say, I read a whole book, read Philemon. It's like 12 words. It's so short, little. Can't even fit a whole page. Philemon. There's this guy, Philemon, who's a leader in the church in Colossae, if I remember correctly, And he had a slave whose name was Onesimus. Onesimus ran away from his master and ends up bumping into the Apostle Paul someplace. He hears the gospel. He gets born again. And Onesimus, the runaway slave, becomes Onesimus, the Christian. Paul sends Onesimus back to Philemon, his master because it was the right thing to do. But he writes this letter to Philemon, and he says, Philemon, listen, when you had him, he was your slave. But now I'm sending him back as your brother. And I could command you by the authority I have, the apostolic authority that I have, that you do not receive him ever again as a slave, but as a brother. But I'm not going to command you because I know God's in you and you're going to do what's right. Because his perception had to change of Onesimus. And think about slave or free man. Think about the scriptures where uh, the Bible, the New Testament, the, I'm, I want to say Paul, 
God, through, through whoever he had write it, talks about masters and slaves and slaves and masters. He says, masters, you treat those slaves properly because you have named yourself with Jesus Christ. And slaves, you treat your master properly because you have named yourself with Jesus Christ. And there's a way that you see that's different than the way you used to see. And it doesn't matter whether he treats you good or he treats you bad because you have a different way to think. You have a worldview that's different than how the world sees the world. He didn't say, masters, release all your slaves. That's interesting to me, but that wasn't the instruction, was it? He says, masters, you put on the Lord Jesus Christ when you interact with that slave. Because they may not have been a slave like a, you know, they got off a ship from, got off a ship from Africa. They might be a bond slave. They might be a slave because they couldn't repay a debt. And culturally, that's how they dealt with that back then. No distinction. Galatians 5 and verse 6. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything but faith working through love. So your distinctions before Christ don't mean anything. Galatians again, chapter 3, 26 through 29. For you are all sons of God, daughters too, for you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. There's just another way to say what John chapter 1 says. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free man, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. We belong to one family. Our daddy is God. We're clothed only with Christ. We don't have, we don't have a t-shirt that says social justice. We don't have a t-shirt that says black lives matter. We don't have a social t-shirt or a t-shirt that says Republican party, Democratic party. No, no. We wear one garment and one garment alone and that garment is the Lord Jesus Christ. We're baptized into him in our physical baptism in our thinking baptism, we're clothed only with his garment. When somebody says, who are you with? You go to the rally of rallies. All the rally people come together. And they say, well, you can just read my garment. And it's like, well, you're, you know, you're just wearing a black t-shirt. Oh, no, no, no. That's just to hide you from what you don't want to see. I'm draped. I'm robed. I'm clothed in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's my garment. That's who I reflect 100% nothing else. Colossians 3.17 Whatever you do, do in word or deed. Do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. The name of Jesus is really important. He's, he's the name that we identify with. So when we do anything, we look to how would this name be pleased by my doing? How would this name be displeased by my doing or my not doing? But I do all that I do in the name of Jesus Christ. If I call somebody a, a, an N-word, guess what? I did not do that in the name of Jesus Christ. No matter what robe I wear, that did not come from my source. That came from a bad source. If I say, I don't I mean, I don't even know how to insult a white guy, you cracker or whatever, 
It's not coming from the robe that I'm wearing. And I'm not to come from any name but the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I, I can't go to a Black Lives Matter rally and stand with them. Because they don't stand, try not to look at you too hard, because they don't stand with Jesus. They might have some righteousness in their, in their thinking. One thing of righteousness, or ten, I don't know. I read their manifesto. I said, this is, the, I read, this is what we believe in. This is what we're moving towards. They are not in the name of Jesus. And a church or a Christian that would bend their knee to that absolutely needs to repent. Because we're only robed in one robe and we only speak with one voice. You guys can come up now. Um, music people. Music people. There's no other name. People think there's another name you could get saved by, but there's not. The scripture teaches there's no name by which a person can be saved but the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And there is no compromise. If God said it, it's true. If he said it's not true, it's not true. I think this vo- this verse spoke to me in a new way, which I'm sure I, you know, I should have noticed it, but I never really did, in the Bible study on Thursday mornings. It's Romans chapter 15 and verses 5 and 6. May the God who gives perseverance and encouragement grant you to be of the same mind with one another. So we're to be of the same mind with one another. But it goes on to say this. Grant you to be of the same mind with one another according to Christ Jesus. Remember I said today we're going to talk about unity, but there's good unity and there's bad unity. For us, we can be of one mind and it can be bad, even though the Bible tells us to be of one mind, if that mind is not of Christ Jesus. So that with one accord, you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So this little sermon illustration that um, I mentioned, J.D. and these guys are going to help me with. So in, in my little pat parable, J.D. is God. Let us hear your voice, God. You can just go like this. Watch this. I can point at him and go, (coughs) Caitlin will know what to do. So that was a lot of notes, more than I expected. But you did what I asked? Okay. I'm not a music guy. So that was the voice of God. I'm sorry, we interrupted. Do it again. Let's hear the voice of God. Okay. And and now these guys are church, right? So so let's hear your voice. Okay. Now let me hear your voice, church guy. Okay, so, so the church guys, they're of different chords, right? The voice didn't sound the same. So can you guys talk about that, figure out what you believe, and get your voice right? One accord. You're in agreement. You're in unity. Play, play God's voice again. Wait a minute. There's something wrong. See, the church is in unity. It's of one accord. 
But it's, it's a court as of its own self. They, they play different. The church played different. They're like, you know, hey, we should be a church. Yeah, let's do that. Okay, what are we going to believe? Well, let's just believe in social justice. And then let's, let's have all these doctrines that come along with social justice and all these kind of things, and we'll just accept everybody. We're, we agree with homosexuality because God loves people, and we say, hey, you should just stay being a homosexual. And we agree with transgender. And listen, I understand you've got bills to pay, and you're a sales guy, and you might, have to, you might have to sell some stuff and be a little sneaky about the way you get it. You know, mostly it's true, and, and let's just be like that. And they're unified, and they sounded unified, but they didn't sound like him because they had unity, but it was bad unity. It was worldly wisdom. But when he plays, God's voice never changes. And they play God's voice. It's the same. The tone doesn't change. Why? Because God's voice is always the same. No matter what he's talking about, it's always true. It's always right. It's always just. His voice doesn't change. So, so as we're speaking and thinking for the abundance of what the heart comes out the mouth, we got to listen. What's the tone of my voice? Black Lives Matter, they can make a great pitch. The progressive church, you can read their stuff. Don't think about your scriptures. Read their stuff. It sounds great. It's awesome. It's all about love. It's all about acceptance. It's all bovine stuff if it doesn't harmonize with the voice of God. So if you're listening to those things, if those things are influencing you, you've got to put them down. The minute you can see their voice departing from his voice, it can't be your voice. Everything we do is done in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. All according to Jesus Christ. There is no chord that we strike. Now I understand practically we're going to goof up sometimes. But our heart has to understand that we have been given, we have given ourselves to the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus Christ. We don't have a will of our own. We don't have a mind of our own except that which agrees with him. If this, if this is making you feel bad, let me just tell you, if it's bugging you, then, then you've got to talk to me. If you think I'm wrong, you've got to talk to me. And then I'll come talk to the church if you convince me. Right. Thank you. I think so too, because I think I have the Lord's voice. The Black Lives Matter does not speak in the name of or according to the Lord. Their goals are not his goals. The progressive church, Christian church, that's what's on their literature. There's a cross in their front yard. They don't speak in the name of or according to the Lord. Their goals are not aligned with his goals. Only goal. All of the same mind, according to Christ Jesus, the church speaks with one voice, the voice of its head, the Lord Jesus Christ. We don't speak another voice. We don't speak another tone. We don't consider... We don't anything. If, if Jesus isn't saying it, we're not saying it. If it's contrary to Jesus, we're not saying it. If there's a rally that the people would 
be rallying for justice. We rally for justice. Who defines justice? God defines justice. Truth. God defines truth. If we, if we really want to move against things that are socially unjust, then we should do it. And our flag should say, Jesus Christ, kingdom of heaven, God himself is against injustice. Racism is a terrible, horrible, horrible, ungodly injustice. It is. And we want to move against it, but we move with Christ. Not with organizations that have some righteousness and a whole bunch of anti-Christ. Because they don't agree with Jesus, and that's all we agree with. Amen? amen. Seriously, amen. Man, it's, it's easy to get swept up in and, and to drift away from the simple and pure devotion to Christ. I don't want to be devoted to falsehood. I don't want to speak falsehood. I don't want to promote falsehood thinking I'm doing good. I don't think.